first part of Romans chapter 12, that, that the words we're about to read are, are, I believe, some of the most important and strategic words ever penned in human history. And they serve as, if you would, a, a halftime address of a coach, uh, kind of a, a chalk talk. Paul's word in Romans 12, 1 and 2 uh, are capable of leading God's people to victory. And that's the encouragement that he gives. But the thing I want us to understand is that sometimes we are so familiar with this passage that we kind of just read it and skip over it. We don't really stop and think about what it means to us and how it impacts our life. So listen to these words this morning from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We hear those words and and we think about the, the idea of what's taking place. In the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, Paul has has shared with us some really, really deep, heavy theology. If you think about some of the things that he has addressed in those first 11 chapters, justification by faith. I mean, that's some heavy theology. Justification by faith. The righteousness of God. Think about the deep impact of the righteousness of God. The universality of sin. Romans says all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. Propitiation. We have a hard time saying that word, let alone understanding all that goes with the theology and the doctrine that is is backed by that. Then, Paul transitions in chapter 12. Remember, I always say, if you see the word therefore, you have to ask yourself the question, what? What's it there for? Okay? Why do we see that word therefore? And therefore is referring back to everything he's just taught. All 11 chapters that have preceded chapter 12, he says, based off of these things, therefore, he says in chapter 12, he moves from doctrine to duty, from creed to conduct, from belief to behavior. He says, in light of what God has done, in all of this theology that I have taught you, here is how we should live in relationship to that. To put it another way, the Apostle encourages us to turn from our theology into duology. Begin to live out the things that you have heard and the things that I've taught you and the things that you believe in your life. It's interesting as we read this chapter also that if you look at the first 11 chapters, Paul has has used an imperative 11 times. In this one chapter, he uses 11 imperatives. And and that means to say that this is a chapter that has more commandments than any other chapter in the New Testament Scriptures. And so it is full of instruction of how we are to live our lives as believers in relationship to all of this doctrine or theology or teaching that he has just shared with us in the first 11 chapters. And so as we begin to look at that today, I want us to take just a few moments to look at at some of the appropriate responses 
that He shares with us in regards to all the teaching of the first 11 chapters. And so the first thing He says is this, we are to present our bodies. What does that mean? Well, what is it He's trying to communicate to us in regards to, to present our bodies? We, we are to, to give of ourselves. It's not the idea of, of surrender. It's not the idea of, of sacrifice. He, he says we are to present. In other words, we are to give ourselves. It is a, a theological term that communicates to us a giving of oneself. In other words, dying to oneself to live to Christ is what he's trying to communicate there for us. And so he says, as we look at all of this doctrine, I want you to understand the need for you to present your body as a living sacrifice. Now, we look at that and we go, wait a minute, let's let's get a, a good understanding of what he's talking about. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Well, the first thing is this. We know that in the Old Testament Scripture, and leading up until the death of Christ, that sacrifices were at once living, but then they were dead. They were sacrificed or put to death in order to be a sacrifice. And that the Old Testament Scripture required by law that wherever there was sin, in order to to receive forgiveness of that sin, there had to be the shedding of blood. And so we know that in relationship to that sacrifice, that there was a, a dead sacrifice. That it had been put to death and, was, and the blood was offered as a, to receive forgiveness for my sins. And so we move to the New Testament Scripture and we know that the Scripture says that Jesus was a sacrifice once for all. And so we know that we are no longer required to make sacrifices of, of bulls and goats or, or any of those other things that were used in the Old Testament Scripture because Christ came and was a one-time sacrifice for all other sin, for all sin. And that in relationship to that, the shedding of His blood was that which took away the sins of our lives and offered us forgiveness. And so the transition of this living sacrifice is the idea that He wants us to present our bodies, our physical being of who we are on this earth, that we are to die to self in order to live a living sacrifice, to live for Him. And as we begin to to consider the impact of that, and what that means to us as believers, that you, Paul, what he is saying to us is that we haven't really learned the Word until we are living the Word. It's one thing to hear it and to know it and to understand it. He said it's another thing to live it out in our lives. It's another thing to allow God's Word to impact us and to change who we are. Present your body as a living sacrifice. So take the truth of God's Word and apply it to your life. Use it in how you live day by day. And so as he shares these words with us and gives us encouragement, he says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. That God has been merciful. And notice that it wasn't a command. He didn't say, I command you. Or it is written. He says, I urge you. This urging is a familiar term that would be used for a family. 
It's like someone in the family urging or encouraging someone else to do something because they know it's the absolute best thing for them as a part of the family. And so he uses this word urge here. He says, I urge you by the mercies of God. We have to understand what it means for God to be merciful. Mercy means that God is not holding us responsible for the sin or mistakes or failures in our life. That's mercy. God says, yeah, you you messed up, you did this, you did that, whatever the case may be, there's sin in your life, but I do not hold you responsible. That's mercy. You're not responsible for that. I have forgiven you of that and it's removed from your life. You, You don't have to be accountable for that. That's the mercy of God. And Paul writes and he says, I urge you by the mercies of God. In other words, what he's trying to say to us is is because of the mercy that God has given you, I urge you to respond to that mercy, to respond to His love by giving your life as a living sacrifice. To say to God, God, thank you so much for not holding me responsible for the sins of my life. Thank you so much for taking those sins and forgiving them and removing them from my life. And because I am so grateful and so thankful for what you have done for me in that forgiveness and in that act of mercy, this is how I want to live for you. This is why I want to give my body, present my body as a living sacrifice for you. Surrendering who I am and all control of my life to allow you to take control. To allow you to to do what you desire to do in my life. And and so that surrender, that giving of oneself in response to God's love and mercy that He has given us in our life brings us to a living sacrifice, presenting our bodies to Him, applying His Word and His teaching. Remember that 11 chapters of doctrine? He says, take that and apply it to your life. Take that and live those things out in your life day by day. And so he says we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. And notice what he says in relationship to that. That it is pleasing to God. That it is pleasant to God for us to surrender ourselves, to give ourselves, to present ourselves to Him. And and that, that He can go to work in our lives to use us in a significant and specific way. And so he says that we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, and it is our reasonable service of worship. Think about those terms. Reasonable service of worship. Well, what that really is saying is simply this. It's common sense. It's reasonable to expect that because of God's mercy... And God's love and God's forgiveness and what God has done for us in our life, it's a reasonable thing to expect that we would become a living sacrifice. That we would give ourselves to live according to the truths and the teachings and the principles of God's Word. He's saying that is a a reasonable expectation. That is a a reasonable act of worship. It It is a response. It's an appropriate response to what God has done for us in our life. And so he said, it's just common sense that we would understand that for us to be holy and acceptable to Him is is how we should live our lives based off what He has done for us and what He has provided for us in our lives. That word living, 
is so significant that we are alive, that we are active, that we are doing something in the kingdom of God. That word holy. Holy is so important. The scripture says that we are to be holy for the Lord our God is holy. Holiness is something that we struggle with in this life because of the influence and impact of the world that is around us. And so when you think about holiness, that, that's why we have church discipline. That's why we have discipleship. That's why we have teaching and instruction. And we have Sunday school classes and, and, and uh, Sunday night Bible studies and Wednesday night Bible studies. And then those types of things. It is in order to teach us, to, to help us to understand what it means for us to live holy in relationship to the Lord. And, and so as I learn and I see and I understand what God's Word says and teaches to me, then I desire to live that way and to live holy in the eyes of God. And then he says that it is acceptable, that it builds on the Old and the New Testament concept of a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. And so he calls us to surrender our spiritual service of worship, that, that which is is if you consider all that God has done for you, a sinful being, the only reasonable spiritual response is to offer Him your life. To give yourself to Him and allow Him to take control of us. And then when He says, as you do that, then there's another process that takes place. The thing that follows with that, He says, is that we are not to be conformed to this world but that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, what does that mean? What is he talking about in regards to the renewing of my mind? What is he talking about that we should not be conformed to this world? Well, if you take that word in its original language, what it says is this, don't allow this world to squeeze you into its mold. Don't allow this world to make you what they want you to be. But, he says, on the other hand, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be changed into something different than you were before, through what? The renewing of our mind. Understanding that it is the mind that controls everything that happens in our life. It's our mind that controls our our thought process. It's our mind that controls our, our actions and our deeds. It's our mind that controls our speech and what we say. Our mind controls everything that happens in our lives and and that comes out of our life. It it all begins here. And so he says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't allow the world to, to press you into their mold. And we struggle with that. We want to fit in. We want to belong. We, we, we want to be accepted. We, we don't want to be seen as some oddball or weirdo or, or something of that nature. And so we struggle with, well, the world is doing this and the people, everybody I know does this and, and everybody I know. And he says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be, allow them to squeeze you into their mold to make you what they want you to be. Because look around at our world. And, and by world, he's not talking about the physical planet. He's talking about the world system, or the world ideas, or the world way of thinking, or the world's influence. And we look around our world today, our world's really messed up. We look around our world today and some of the thinking that that goes on, and and I, I have to stop and think, how in the world, how in the world do we desire 
to fit in to this world in which we're living. And yet often we do. We, we want to be accepted. We want people to, to like us. We don't want to be an outcast or we don't want to be looked at differently. But, but the fact of the matter is, he says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't allow the world to control the way that you think. Because the way you think controls the way that you act. And the way you think controls the way that you speak. And so don't allow the world to influence you toward their way of thinking. But very the opposite, he says, we need to influence the world. We need to, to present our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Living the way that He instructs us to live within His Word. And He says in regards to that, do not be conformed to this world. Now notice, when He makes that transition, He says, and do not. You get that? It's connected. He says, you know, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, and do not. Understand what He's saying there. These things go together. Offering my body one way, the other is don't allow the world. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be changed, and make something new and different by the renewing of your mind. Don't allow the world to squeeze you into their mold, but but you be what God has called you to be. You be different than the world. Just because the world does it, just because the world believes it, just because, hey, listen, just because other Christians do it, doesn't mean it's okay. You understand that? Just because someone says, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, and they live or behave or do something a certain way, doesn't mean it's okay for, for all of us to do that. Because there are people who wear the name Christian. In fact, he says there are people who are going to call him Lord, Lord, and yet they denied him. They, they didn't live for him. You, you, you didn't do what I asked you to do. Oh, you profess it, you say it, but he says you don't live it. And so just because someone that says they're a Christian or someone that says they're a believer or someone that says they, they trust in God, just because they say that, we have to look at God's Word and say, but how are they living, not judgmentally, but how are they living according to the truth? Are they living the truth? And then that would indicate to me that they are a genuine believer. But if they're not living the truth, then I don't allow them to influence me to live the way that they're living. That's what he says. Don't be conformed. To this world. Don't be conformed by the way of, of how other people are thinking or how other people are living or what other people are doing. You know, we <laughs> when our kids were young, when we were young as kids, maybe not so much when our kids were young, but, but, but when we were young as kids, and we would say something to our folks, well, we wanted to do this or we wanted to do that, and they would say, no, you can't do that. And we would say, well, everybody's doing it. And then they would say, what? Well, if everybody was jumping off a cliff... Huh? Right? They'd say that, right? Have you said that yourself? Well, if everybody was... You know, would you do... No. He says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't allow the fact that everybody else is doing it, then allow that to influence you that that's what you should do. He says, you live differently. You live according to the truths of God's Word. And just because everybody else is doing it, doesn't mean it's okay. Doesn't mean that you should do it. He says, you measure by the truths of God's Word. And that's why... We go back in the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans and we read the theology and the teachings and the doctrine that he gives us. And then he gets to chapter 12 and he says, Therefore, because of all of these truths that I've just instructed you with, therefore, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And 
Do not allow yourself to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be changed by the impact of the truths of God's Word. Allow that to influence who you are. Allow that to influence your behavior and how you act and the things that you do in your life. And yet sometimes we get so called up in what everybody else is doing and how everyone else is behaving, we think it's okay. And he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, how do I renew my mind? How do I help my mind to focus on what God would have me to focus on in the way that I live my life? Well, here, here are some instructions for you in regards to that. First thing is this. Be a student of the Word. Be in the Word every day. Read the Word every single day. And I encourage you, when you read God's Word, to, to take whatever time you have available. I don't, I don't care if it's five minutes or whether it's 105 minutes. doesn't matter. Whatever time you have, if I'm going to read God's Word for, I'm going to use another time here, 20 minutes, okay? Take 10 minutes to read the Word, and then take the other 10 minutes to pray and ask God, what did you just say to me? Because God's Word is His communication to us. And it doesn't do us any good just to read it if we don't understand it, and then we don't in turn take that and apply it to our life. And so if you have 30 minutes, you say, I'm going to set aside 30 minutes every day. Take 15 minutes to read the Scriptures. And then take 15 minutes to pray and ask God and reflect on what you've just read and say, God, what did you say to me? How does that apply to my life? And what should I change in my life based on that? What impact should what I just read have on my life, God? Show me that. Help me to understand that. Because you see, the Scripture says that we should not just be hearers of the Word, but we should also be what? Doers of the Word. So I need to do what it says. Well, I can't do what it says if I don't understand or don't know what that means to me. And so he says, it's real important that we are in the Word, but it's also important that as we're in Word, we understand what the Word is saying, and we know how to apply it to our lives, and then we apply it. And, and so let me tell you, that is one of the most significant things that you can do in regards to renewing your mind. The other thing that you can do is, is hopefully, uh, if, if I do what God has called me to do, is what you're doing right now, and that's coming to church. And that you can renew your mind by hearing the teachings of God's Word, whether it be in Sunday school class, or whether it be in Sunday night or Wednesday night Bible study, or in the worship service this morning. The things that you hear and the things that you're taught, you take those things and apply them to your life. That renews your mind. So worship is important. Participating in Bible study and and worship and uh, the preaching of the Word, those are important things because they help us to renew our mind. And so he says, be in the Word. He, he, he encourages us as we're in the Word to allow that to influence and impact our lives. Hey, hey, what about the people you hang out with? Are the people you hang out with believers? Are the people that you spend time with, or are they people who follow the truths of God's Word? Or do you hang out with people that try to influence you otherwise? You spend time with people that, that maybe they're trying to drag you or draw you away from your relationship with the Lord instead of encourage you toward your relationship with the Lord. It helps to renew my mind if I spend time with people who are like-minded, people who have that same goal in mind of, of renewing their mind and not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of their mind. And so in all of these things, he says, listen, there are so many ways that you can renew your mind passage we read this morning in Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing, 
but in everything by what? Petitions and thanksgiving and prayer. Prayer renews my mind. Don't let your mind worry. He says, don't let your mind be anxious. Don't let those things overwhelm you. Renew your mind. How do I do that? By being in the Word, by prayer, by thinking on the things that God has taught me, by being thankful for the things that He's done for me and He's given me in my life. He says, that's how I renew my mind. If I spend my time always thinking about the negative, always thinking about the problems, always thinking about the obstacles and challenges, and being anxious over those things, my mind isn't being renewed. My mind is being buried. And he says, so don't be anxious about these things. Don't worry about these things. But put your trust in the Lord. Pray to Him and and allow Him to influence and impact your thought process. And then if we read on in that, he, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he says, so allow that to change who you are. How you conduct yourself, the things that you say and the things that you do, and how you behave in life. And it all comes from the truth of God's Word. And he says in relationship to that, that if we will allow ourselves to to dwell on or think on the things of God's Word, if we'll practice these things and put them into place in our life, then he he says that, that God will be with us and that He will help us through the process in our life. He will be a party and a part of what we are doing in our life. And so a renewed mind influences who we are. What about this? What about memorizing Scripture? You say, oh, my mind does it. Well, listen, we memorize other things, don't we? Memorize the channels on the TV where we want to go watch our favorite show. We know exactly where we want to tune in, don't we? Uh, you know, we memorize phone numbers. We memorize email addresses. We, we memorize a lot of things in life. Directions to our favorite restaurant. You know, whatever it is. We can, we can remember a lot of things in life. So what about remembering God's Word? What about taking a, a small passage of Scripture and committing it to memory? doesn't have to be, uh, you don't have to, to memorize a whole chapter or a whole book. Start with, with one small passage that is influential and impacts your life. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. I would venture to say that most everybody here this morning could have quoted that just like I did. Why? Because we've heard it multiple times. We've heard it over and over and over. So take some Scripture. Begin to memorize it. Begin to put it in your mind so that when things happen in life, you can call on that Scripture. You can refer back to what God says in His Word about how we handle ourselves in certain situations and go, oh, in this situation, God says I should do this because I've memorized this passage of Scripture. See, all of those things are the process of renewing the mind. And and as we renew the mind, then, then we are following in obedience and faithfulness to God. We are allowing His Word to impact our lives. And then He says, what? That this proves what the will of God is. Did you understand what He just said? He didn't say that reveals the will of God. He said it proves the will of God. He said that by you doing what we've been talking about this morning, He said that is proof of the will of God. That it proves that God's will and desire is what is best for your life. And so He calls us to surrender ourselves as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. That it is our spiritual service of worship. 
And that we should not be conformed to this world, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind and prove what the will of God is. By doing the will of God, then His specific will for your life is revealed. By doing what God has called me to do in His Word and being obedient to that, then His specific will for your specific life will be revealed to you. So this morning it begins with the mind. Begins with the thought process of belief in the Word, allowing the Word to permeate our lives. And as it does, we don't allow the world to conform us. We push it aside and we're transformed by the renewing of our mind according to the truths of God's Word. And in that, God's will is proven and God's will will be revealed for your life, for mine, for all of us. So this morning, we're going to offer an invitation him. And our invitation is always a time for us to make decisions. And maybe, as you've heard the word this morning, that there has been something that comes to your mind, to your thought, about a decision in your life. Maybe, maybe you need to change some things. Do things differently than you've done them before. Maybe that you've allowed the world to, to conform you and you want to change that in your life. Maybe you haven't surrendered your life to be a living sacrifice. Maybe you're not living holy. Uh, in, in regards to the Lord. Maybe you're not allowing His Word to... Re- whatever it is, 